Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you look at bringing either international curated brands locally or... Uh, you look at buying other brands from overseas because as, as for Philippines, everyone loves something that's new and something that's different as well. Uh, we, we, we very much crave that, uh, I guess, new trend or new, that new food and beverage experience because us Filipinos, we love to eat. I know a lot of my, uh, a lot of our staff, a lot of their salaries, it goes, goes to eating and enjoying because that's what we do is for Filipinos, we love going to the mall and enjoying and we also love spending our money on food and, and also enjoying as well. So. And good evening. Welcome to another RJ Ledesma podcast. In the RJ Ledesma podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets, and can we hack into those success secrets, how they've also innovated their businesses during the pandemic, and more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in the new normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please do let me know. Drop me a message. We're also live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, Global Pinas TV, and now the Bounce Bat Network. Uh, tonight, very excited because uh, not only this will be my first sort of like taste test uh, mukbang episode uh, of the Arjila Desma podcast because my next guest brought Kumi here to the Philippines. My next guest is John Michael Mike Hilton, who is the president and CEO of Vism Ventures, a company that brought in the Australian brand Kumi to the Philippines, uh, making it the beverage drink with a first-in-market advantage in the country. He'll tell us a bit more about what Kumi is all about. And in past interviews, uh, Mike has been saying that his goal is to let Filipinos experience the hashtag guiltless goodness of Kumi one cup at a time. But more importantly, I really want to hear about this entrepreneurial journey uh, from Australia to the Philippines and eventually to the rest of Southeast Asia. Joining him tonight is uh, their chief marketing officer of Kumi, who just happens to be a former Miss International 2018 first runner-up, Miss Atisa Manalo. So please welcome on the show Mike Hilton and Atisa Manalo. Guys, thanks so much for joining me here on the show. Thanks, RJ. Thanks for having us. You were, I was on mute. There you go. Thanks for inviting us. My guys, thanks so much for, uh, thanks so much for joining me. And thanks so much for the free snack. You know what? My daughter is uh, almost impatiently waiting to take away all these drinks from me. But uh, right before we start, uh, for those who might not be in the note, just tell us a bit more about uh, what Kumi is all about. Here's Kumi. Um, You know, right now in in the world of of the Filipino uh, all they know is really just milk tea is what's dominant in their mind. So basically, what makes us different from milk tea? I know this is not milk tea. It's, it's, a, it's a yogurt drink, right? 
Sure. So, uh, uh, yes, uh, we are the first uh, natural drinking yogurt in the Philippines. Obviously, a uh, more healthier option, we believe, to milk tea. Uh, but we have a healthy balance between a lot of fruity flavors and also your uh, more indulgent flavors such as ube, avocado, uh, our own version of our mango bravo, which are mango cracker as well. So uh, a healthier version of milk tea that's yogurt-based and then focuses on digestion uh, with live active probiotics. Sort of like, it's like, uh, it's like a cult. <laughs> I mean, it's like, a, I mean, in, in, for, for those of us who grew up uh, in the Philippines and uh, boomers like myself or Gen X like myself, <laughs> this is sort of our closest equivalent to that one. And how is it like uh, coming into the Philippines? I'm sure, you know, uh, as a Filipino-Australian entrepreneur and, and you were based in Australia and you, you're looking for brands to bring over here, why this one in particular? I'm saying that were you hoping to convert milk tea drinkers or were you thinking that there is still an untapped market where we can, uh, you know, enter other health drinks and come inside. What, what was your thinking? Why is particularly a yogurt drink? I think uh, prior to actually buying the brand, there was a resurgence of milk tea, I think, in 2015. Prior mm, to that, right. you had Sago, you had your Cha Times, also your uh, Gong Chas. 2015, you saw the resurgence of cocoa, Macau, of course, as a dominant uh, milk tea brand, and a lot of other milk tea players pop up. And we saw that the milk tea market was really booming. Uh, easy price point, very hot and humid country within the Philippines and very accessible. So we thought uh, at Decent Eye when we were in Australia, when we stumbled across uh, the brand uh, Kumi, we thought we'd take a little bit of a risk, a calculated risk, uh, a more healthier uh, option towards milk tea. Uh, we saw that there was a trend that a lot of gyms were opening up in, Australia, in the Philippines itself. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, you've got your fitness first, but then anytime fitness really exploded here in a huge way, and normally what follows within your uh, healthy, uh, I guess, fitness uh, lifestyle becomes what you eat. So we thought we would uh, capitalize and take a bit of a risk uh, with introducing a yogurt beverage to the Philippines first, and it turned out well. Very interesting, very interesting. Now, um, Atisa, how many, since you started back in, when was the first year that you brought in Kumi to the Philippines? 2019? 2019, correct. Well, so that's, what, what year? Like, uh, I want to know just because, like, it was a couple months before the pandemic, so. Yes. Many, um, so, many... we got the brand March 2019, but we all opened our first store November 2019. And then we opened every week one store for four weeks so come 2020 we have four stores at the end of 2019 2020 we added two more stores um rockwell and sm megamo and that was just before the pandemic hit when the pandemic hit we have six stores in total and now we are operational at 36 stores wow so that meant you kept on opening amidst the pandemic mike and that's really a story which I want to hear a bit more uh, later on how you were able to achieve that because uh, if, if you've seen our, our friends in the food and beverage industry have had to scale down and even, even permanently close, but you did something that was counterintuitive and you kept on growing the business. At the same time, aside from growing it, what really interests me is that what helped finance the growth of the business amidst this crisis? Because that, for me, that, that's a big thing, right? Uh, did, did they allow you to create your own flavors or did you have to to, to, to uh, all the flavors had to be approved by head office Kumi. Uh, so the fantastic thing about the brand is we were given a lot of flexibility in regards to local flavors and being able to curate the menu based on Filipino tastes. So at the moment, currently, we actually only uh, take on board probably about 25% of the Australian menu. 
The rest of the menu is actually curated by our R&D and our chefs and also towards local Filipino tastes. Interesting. How did you actually come up with the different flavors? How did you do the testing for this one? I was looking at the profile for the Visum uh, team, no? and I saw that some of them there were actually had come from the, from the F&B industry. Correct. So uh, I think what we did, first of all, is when we rolled out the brand, we only had a limited menu. We only had 13 items on the menu, and we wanted to make sure consistency was at front of mind. And then within the first three months, we saw that the uh, menu was doing well. It was very consistent. And then we added to the menu another seven flavors. So a lot of the flavors, what we tend to do is we ask a lot of our consumers, our customers, we actually, before opening or launching a new menu, we launch a activation and ask a lot of our customers to say what they would like to see on the menu itself. So we engage them as well as a few of the uh, director's personal favorites, as well as obviously um, ensuring that we uh, collaborate with our culinary team as well on what's up and what's trending at the moment. Very nice. So what, um, you know, just if you, if you don't mind, but I mentioned people like Avin Ong like earlier on of Macau Imperial Tea and one of the great things about Macau Imperial Tea is really that almost every week they've got, or, you know, it's Avin really at the forefront to make sure that, you know, you get Macau Imperial Tea because of the, the new flavors that they bring in. How often do you guys actually um, create new flavors uh, over there in, in Kumi? Is it sort of like top of mind, I guess, or, or one, of the, one of the things that make you different to prevent other players who want to get into this space from coming in? So actually, uh, we curate the menu and we actually remove out our five um, uh, lowest selling items out of the menu every six months. And then we update the menu as well with obviously five new flavors. We also have uh, a series every other six months as well. So we, we're actually excited to la launch our first uh, series out of Kumi, which is going to be our Purple Rice series coming to everyone this November and December. And how, where, where do you, I just want to ask, I have in mind, where do you source the avocados? Because sometimes the, you know, I've worked with, in, in Mercato, we worked with some, uh, with some merchants over there who used to have avocado and they did avocado. You know, they weren't able to source avocado uh, consistently here locally. Yeah, so we source all our avocados actually um, from the local markets originally. But since then, we've actually able to source a secure uh, supply right here from Davao that's available year round. I, I know I'm going to get into it later on, but uh, let's talk a bit, bit more about business strategy. No? Um, you, 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 it, it was counterintuitive for you, but you did open, you said, by before the pandemic hit, you had six branches, right? That were open. And these were all company-owned uh, 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 company stores. Is that right, uh, Mike, uh, Tisa? Yes. When you opened up. Yes. So all of a sudden, the, the pandemic hits and then... You guys had to make the decision, do we keep on opening or do we not keep on opening branches? Because you could have had six and comfortably stayed with six and maybe improved, I mean, I guess, delivery, right, for all, for all the six to keep, to keep business flowing. But you decided to keep on going. So what was your strategy? Tell me a bit more about your, your, what was going on in your mind during that time after the pandemic hit. You were thinking, should, I, should we stop? Should we continue? And how do we grow the business amidst this pandemic? I think uh, for me, it's all about risk appetite. Uh, we opened six stores and prior to pandemic, all these six stores are extremely busy. So we really wanted to um, ensure that we saturate Metro Manila uh, very fast and very quickly. Uh, so obviously when the pandemic hit, we closed down with like all the other restaurants or majority of the restaurants within Metro Manila in the Philippines. But we opened up quite quickly. So we closed uh, March 2020 uh, March 15, and then we opened first week of April. 
Reason you being, close, and I, think, uh, I, mean, I you mentioned... Close, you, close, you, you, closed, you closed the Kumi for a bit, right? Is that right? Yes. We closed okay. all our branches just to ensure that we could um, ensure we follow proper, proper protocols. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in April first week, we decided that we wanted to continue the brand. And uh, Atisa, myself, I had a, a personal assistant and a couple of our other assistants from the office said, let's, let's open up Kumi and let's continue the brand. So we opened back up our SM Podium branch. And then the numbers were really, really strong. And we continue all, all delivery, open. all delivery, I guess, right? All delivery, yes. So we continued to open each store week on week until our six branches were open. And then we said, uh, wow. again, our risk appetite's a, a, a little bit more uh, aggressive. So we said, let's continue to keep expanding the brand. And obviously, uh, on the other flip side, a lot of a lot of spaces became available. That's uh, right. That's right. So we were <laughs> that was your silver lining, I guess. Now that time, that was the silver lining for you. That. Uh, to my to my mind, I hope you don't mind me in- interrupting. But to my mind, also as an entrepreneur putting up my own business, lease rates re- lease rates were very negotiable, and Correct. space opened up, right? Correct. And I think we did a lot of research. I think Atisa um, mentioned before we bought the brand in March 2019, but we launched in November. We did a lot of research. A lot of the successful milk tea companies, one of the key factors were that they were very accessible to Filipino people. So we said, let's let's go and let's. Uh, try to go for at least 20 stores by end of uh, 2020, which we were able to achieve. And now, this year, 60. So we're about to overshoot and hit 75 stores for this year. So within the pandemic, our model was strong. All our business model was uh, extremely streamlined. And also, I think, um, as you mentioned, Silver Line is, by the end of this year, we'll, able, we'll be able to support and obviously uh, give work to at least 750 uh, staff and their families as well. Great multiplier effect for the industry. Um, having said that, um, as I look at your different brands, as you were as you were opening up uh, the newer ones, uh, what exactly is the business model, or where does it drive? Where income is primarily driven through delivery right now. No, in, no, I guess no takeout really, or no, no physical impressions for people. And despite that, you're still doing very good if it's all delivery, even net of the commissions taken away by the food delivery uh, riders. Is that right? Correct. So I, pre-pandemic, our split between uh, dine-in and delivery was 80-20, 80 being dine-in or takeout, and then 20% being delivery. In the heat of pandemic, which I believe was about May of 2020, it was actually the flip side. 20% were actually walk-in when they were on their way to the supermarket and takeout, and 80% was delivery. Uh, we saw things scale up towards the back end of last year to 50-50. And as we moved forward within 2021, we saw things improve up into a 70-30 split with some locations. It's very uh, different between locations and, and different uh, malls itself, uh, but we saw it improve immensely. As we enter the um, third wave lockdown of ECQ, we believe that obviously we're going to go back to a more uh, delivery-based model so it's very important for us from a strategic level to really negotiate our rates with our delivery partners and make sure we give, uh, obviously, we're available to all Filipinos still that still want to enjoy guiltless goodness at the comfort of their own home. Fantastic. For the other people also listening here right now, this is what I want to find out, also, especially restaurateurs or other, other enter- entrepreneurs. You did say that there are some areas where 50-50, it was strong for you doing business, meaning half delivery, half takeout or dining, which is key, right, for, for many people. And there's a 70%, 30 for, I guess that is 70% uh, delivery, 30% takeout. Am I right? Um, what were the characteristics which defined areas which were 50-50 and 70-30? Could you see common denominators like 
uh, this if, if it's in this area, it's more high to delivery. If it's in this area, it's more half delivery and half uh, dine-in. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think um, Athesa works very uh, well and closely with our delivery aggregators. We get a lot of intel in regards to which locations are uh, more apt to delivery, including even time of day and what hours are really mm -hmm. strong as well. Um, I think what really helped us uh, within the pandemic is to make sure that we're not just accessible, but we're in the right locations. Location, location, location is the most important thing for us. So a lot of our locations now are ground level, very close to a supermarket. So if we lock down, we know that a lot of the uh, the malls, because of being a public place, are really uh, left to be really tightened in regards to uh, social distancing and protocols. So we make sure that we're very visible to these areas because we know that at least uh, there's still foot traffic and at least as well, if we're a ground floor, very accessible for our delivery riders. That's right. That's right. Now, um, having said that, no, uh, the other interesting thing that I like about this one, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, um, aside from this one, I run, I run a business called Easy Franchise. And, you know, as, as I was in, interviewing people for Easy Franchise, we were doing a webinar for potential uh, franchisees, is that uh, they were saying that Milty did incredibly well during this time because people considered Milty an essential good. And in fact, you know, they, they would take milk tea as a sort of like, it's a semblance of normalcy amidst this, this pandemic. Milk tea makes me feel normal. Um, did you have the same sort of experience that there was actually, you did even better business during the pandemic because yogurt, like sort of like milk tea, did provide a sort of normalcy or, you know, or it was an essential drink for people. Yeah, I guess for this one, um, if people think that milk tea is sort of um, gives them normalcy, um, we're on the other side of this one. Um, our yogurt, beverages, kumi gives everyone the sense of security or safety because they know that it's nutritious and okay. that it's actually healthy. That it gives them something or um, an immunity shield at least for uh, because during, of course, the pandemic is a health health scare like no other. So what happens with this one is if you, you want to eat more healthy, you want to be more healthy so that you don't get sick as much. And I think that's what we capitalized on, that um, our drink is guiltless goodness. It's actually healthy. It helps you with your immunity and gut. And having said that, um, in terms of sales, you, know, you have to tell me specifically what it was, but... Um, when the pandemic hit, and of course, after things sort of normalized, if you could say it normalized during the pandemic, when things, or when you opened up the six branches, could you say that business, was it the same? Was it, did it go lower than pre-pandemic levels, the same as, as uh, pre-pandemic levels, or even higher uh, as a result of this pandemic? I think we were um, extremely lucky pre-pandemic. Um, a lot of the stores, and because we were only available in six locations, we were extremely, extremely um, busy. Uh, not to mention figures, but we were in the six digits as such. Uh, in the heat of the pandemic, we were probably at worst 30%, uh, but still a, a, a viable business model that was still able to expand. Uh, hence why even at 30%, we said to ourselves between the directors, let's still continue to open stores because we know that as a, as a, as a nation and, and, and uh, to be honest, uh, all Filipinos, there will be a point in time where we get through it and we can now move past it. And we want to make sure that we're available uh, and accessible to all Filipinos uh, throughout the best locations within all the malls. Hello there, Chinky Tan here. Motivational speaker, wealth coach, best-selling author, and now host of Chink Positive Podcast. 
a podcast that aims to help you to become wealthy and debt-free by teaching you on how to save, budget, get out of debt, and invest. Powered by Podcast Network Asia. Available on wherever you get your podcasts. See you there! I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. I just want to show you this because my, my daughter came over and said, look, I finished it, Dad. And she, she liked it a lot. So, <laughs> thanks so much, Mike, for the next batch tomorrow again. So, <laughs> 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. Yeah, we'll be here the whole day. We'll be here the whole day. Yeah. So um, that's interesting. Now, let's talk about you opening up the new branches. Like I, I asked you earlier on, um, was that oh, the, the expansion when you initially brought it over here, and then we'll get to this discussion in a bit, no, is that it was all internally funded to start off the first, um, the, the first Kumi and bring the franchise over here. But to open up 60 and it's all in the midst of the pandemic, was everything still internally financed or was it a combination of getting investors or, or, or doing uh, some of them were franchised branches? Tell me a bit more about how you were able to expand to 60. What was the sort of strategy that you used uh, to, to finance the growth of the business amidst the pandemic? Obviously, the pandemic hit us, as, as Athisa mentioned, like no other. And we had to, um, we were very clear. Actually, I was very clear in the beginning of bringing the brand the Philippines. We did not want to franchise at all. Uh, similar to like the brand Coco, Coco doesn't franchise any of their stores. We really want to own all our company-owned stores. But because uh, we had competition, so there were two uh, competitors that were focused on just yogurt, uh, milk tea as well, or yogurt beverage. In early January and February of 2020, we said we need to pivot to expand. So we opened up to franchise quite quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. So we looked to open up to franchise and we were able to secure a number of franchisees just before pandemic, and then the pandemic hit. So we actually uh, spoke to our partners and asked them if they wanted to uh, back out for a number of reasons. Obviously, being financially hit, we offered that as well, a full refund. And we had still uh, a majority amount that still wanted to continue their uh, journey with Kumi. Instead of having three or five branches, start with one or two, which they did as well. So they started with one or two. They were still... uh, Again, still a good business model, still quite uh, popular and uh, profitable, and then decided to uh, grab three and four and five more after. In early this year, we were excited to announce part of Vice and Ventures. We actually underwent a merger with our biggest franchisee. Our biggest franchisee actually bought 45 Kumi stores nationwide. 45? 45, yes. So we're in the midst of an expansion obviously like no other, but then we were uh, actually in Davao together 
and uh, doing some oculars and site inspections. And I overheard my uh, partner on the phone hiring a group HR manager, a group operations, and it only made sense that uh, as a company, Vice and Ventures, we knew our numbers. If we're going to both go out and hire group HR managers, operation managers, why not merge businesses and do that together? Hence why Nayon, uh, we actually own uh, 80% of all Kumis uh, nationwide. So yeah, uh, exciting on that side. Uh, originally, again, all director funded in regards to the original six stores and expansion plans up until 15. Um, but again, as I mentioned, we did go out to franchise model to expand quite quickly. Uh, we're excited because um, at that stage, we had six. Our closest competitor had four locations. Right now, we've got 36, and our closest competitors only got five. So I think it was a uh, smart move on our end to be very agile and move quite quick and, again, pivot as such uh, to ensure that we really propel the brand forward. Very interesting. I'm looking at your partners right now. Andrew Neri is the COO, Adrian Luan Singh, CFO, and Hyacinth Luan Singh, uh, your chief uh, HR. Uh, how did you guys get together? What, what was Andrew looks like his background was basically before uh, in, um, in, uh, in Nestle. And uh, tell, tell me a bit more about how you guys uh, came together. What, what were they doing and what made them ideal partners for you to come together? So um, Atis and I were actually on holidays together and actually uh, we were actually in the store Kumi itself and she nudged me. I, I, was, I actually asked her, should I approach the owner? Should I, uh, should I look? Because we were very interested in buying the brand and she was the one that said, why not? You've got nothing to lose. So she gave me that little bit of extra confidence to approach the uh, owner and within two or three days we were able to do the deal and uh, have Kumi and bring it back to the Philippines. But that's how uh, Atis and I obviously um, had that connection. Uh, from the very onset. Andrew Neri, uh, I'm a, besides um, being a avid foodie, I'm actually an avid basketball fan and basketball player as well. So we actually, we knew each other from basketball and we we're actually uh, business partners in a brand called Run Rio, Run Rio Events, the marathon running as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, Adrian Luan Singh and Hyatt Luan Singh, they were our biggest franchisees, very aggressive, that bought 45 Kumi. So he's the one that we had the synergy when we, it only made sense. We're in Davao, we were both hiring the same roles. We said, I said to him, I approached him, I said, listen, let's join forces. Let's, uh, let's try to really um, saturate not just uh, Metro Manila, but also the provinces and Visvin and let's do it together. Uh, so yeah, so more on uh, knowing these other business partners like Andrew, uh, Adrian Luan Singh and Hyatt, but more on for face value, very great uh, first impression, very good vibe that we gelled quite, uh, quite quickly. And then mm -hmm. in more so, very common in regards to our future goals and more personal morals and how we see, you know, uh, our approach to business and also our relationships, not just with, um, with each other, but more so with how we deal with people as well. Fantastic. I like how it sort of like everything became serendipitous for you guys to actually uh, come together. Now, having said all that, when I love the story of, of Kumi and how you brought it here to the Philippines, but I think more importantly, uh, the story that many people want to hear, obviously, that they can tell from your accent, is that how somebody like you uh, comes back to the Philippines. Because uh, like I mentioned uh, offline when we were talking, uh, what truly intrigues me is, is for many people who are you know, born abroad or even raised abroad, you said that you, you were born in Zamboanga, but you, you, you lived most of your life in Australia, um, but you come home. Um, Roland Ross of, of Kumu, um, uh, you have uh, 
Paul Rivera of Caliber, many of them were, they, they could have been living the American dream or a comfortable life in the States, but then they, they, they choose to come home. And these people weren't raised here, so they don't, they don't, know, they don't know how it's like. Versus many Filipinos saying, you know, <laughs> the, 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 everything is, the, the pastures are greener abroad. So uh, what makes you want to come back to the Philippines and actually say, hey, there's a lot more potential here than there is in the country where I grew up in? Sure. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, born in Zamwanga, um, at six months old, we had the opportunity uh, to move to Australia with my mother and my adopted uh, father, hence why I got the last name Hilton uh, itself. Very much a Sydney Australian boy, grew up on the beaches, um, played all the Australian sports. And then in 2016, I had an opportunity to build a relationship with my biological father. So that was the actual main reason why I moved back to the Philippines. And he was in the uh, exports, agricultural export um, uh, industry, seaweed, uh, also in property and also in manufacturing of sardines. So I headed his companies, a group of companies for three years and then decided uh, I wanted to branch out and do what I love. I love food and beverage. I love everything to do with cooking, uh, everything to do with more so um, experimenting with amazing flavors and that sense of um, that feeling when you have that amazing dish for the first time that really you remember specifically when you tried it for the first time, who was with you that moment. So yeah, so saw an opportunity in the Philippines because unlike Australia, Australia, because you're uh, so accessible to amazing produce, fruit and vegetables, you do a lot of cooking at home. Uh, in the Philippines, because of the lifestyle that everyone lives, people eat out more than seven times a week, sometimes lunch and dinner. So there was an opportunity for a fantastic food and beverage company with uh, good marketing and with a good brand to be able to expand and to be able to grow. So that was the main reason why we got into uh, food and beverage. And as I mentioned uh, before, I'm an avid milk tea fan. So when I stumbled across a yogurt beverage, which is a more healthy option, I said, why not? Let's take the risk. And then yeah, we've, gone, we've grown from strength to strength since November 2019, opening our first Kumi. By end of year, we'll hit 70, 75 Kumis and expand our other brands. Greek, Mediterranean, wow. uh, also a healthier option with salads, sushi bowls and wraps and salad pizzas and then a loose leaf tea brand as well. So yeah, so uh, the aim for us, because we are, as, as you would have seen from our profile, very young, very dynamic uh, directors is really to leave our footprint on the Philippines and uh, the time to do so is now. So yeah, we're excited. We're excited what's to come. Yes. Two actually, we've got two branches opening there. So um, definitely uh, everyone said, why Samwanga? It's our hometown. It's my hometown. So why not? Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> we're opening there in September, first with SM and then second with an, another more operator uh, in Zamwanga City. So very, very excited. And hope to see a lot of uh, local support for um, a local boy, born and bred uh, Zamwangan um, uh, kid that's uh, excited to bring uh, guiltless goodness from Australia to uh, fellow Zamwangans as well. Fantastic. And another comment here, which I'm very happy about, from Andrew Neri. From Andrew. Easy franchise is the best. I love you, Andrew Neri. Thank you so much uh, for, for allowing me <laughs> to shamelessly promote uh, my other startup company, Easy Franchise. In fact, um, I think Easy Franchise uh, is doing the franchise management for one of your branches. Isn't that right? Or for one of your franchises. Is that right, uh, Mike? 
Uh, a, a couple of them, yes. Uh, we've got a strong relationship with Easy Franchise. They actually um, helped manage our Virtus North branch uh, from the start of the beginning of the process all the way through the opening. Uh, so a seamless operation, and we're excited to be able to uh, yeah grow that relationship. We're um, we're actually in the very beginning of uh, Kumi. We're very uh, humbled that there's been a lot of interest to franchise a brand. And as directors, we're very um, choosy in regards to who we do business with and that relationship um, that we actually uh, go beyond. So we're excited to um, open up. I think this year we've got about eight to ten fr more franchise stores to open throughout this year. Fantastic. And uh, on, on my part, my shameless promotion again no, is that hopefully we get to work more with, uh, uh, with Kumi through Easy Franchise to get you more franchisees around the country and to help manage those franchises. We've got an upcoming franchise day, uh, eight twenty-eight. Hopefully, you guys can be part of that. Thanks so much, Andrew. Ahead of time, thank you so much, <laughs> and Mike. Um, having okay, moving on. I, I wanna, I wanna give some airtime now to Atisa, really. Uh, and Atisa, why I wanna ask you some questions is because um, I'm sure what's gonna be very interesting here is that you know um, what what you bring to the fore because you know you know what um, I, like I asked you earlier on, like I asked you who was your handler because I also uh, I also I'm partly in the hosting and. Uh, show business in terms of being a host and uh, your manager before from Aces and Queens was uh, Jonas Gafford, right? Uh, but, you know, mm -hmm. what I like sure. about, you know, in the Philippines, Mike, I'm sure you're very familiar that, you know, uh, our beauty queens are really a notch above. It's become extremely competitive. So uh, it literally is beauty and brains when it comes to being our beauty queens here in the Philippines. And uh, your background is that uh, you, you're actually, you have an accounting background. You're also, how did all those different things play for you when you had to, when they had to bring the brand here to the Philippines, I'm curious. Uh, you were there with, with with Mike when he when he first saw the brand, and actually it seemed to be you were the person who who lit the fire to under his butt to make sure that you would bring it over here. So tell me, I want to see, I want to hear your version of, of how it came over and, and how I guess you helped them uh, really come out because you you were those with the connections, I think, versus Mike who was uh, sort of like an outsider to the Philippines. You were somebody who knew people and who could help him get around. So during the beginning, I was um, heading finance. I was taking care of the finance side of the business as I had, um, as I have a degree in accounting. And, um, but of course, the thing with being a neophyte is that you'll find a lot of gaps in your knowledge. And Mike and Andrew was there the, um, during the whole time to um, guide me through, through it all. And originally, Mike wanted me to head marketing. Mm -hmm. But Andrew, being the more seasoned person who's worked in a multinational conglomerate, he heads our marketing. But he asked me to shadow him to learn everything that um, he's doing on the marketing side. Because as Mike said, I have the one with the connections, the one who knows people who can help rally the brand and grow the brand when it comes to having social um, awareness, social um, brand awareness. So yeah, that's that's how it went. And how about you, when, when, when you were first looking at the brand, what made you think that uh, when you were with Mike and you were traveling around Australia on holidays, what made you think that uh, Kumi would be the brand to bring over here to the Philippines? Okay, so when we were in a holiday in Australia, Mike and I, we saw a line about 60 to 100 people um, in line. And of course, if we're, if we're in the Philippines, we won't have time. We won't actually fall in line. We, we're, we're not going to spend time um, trying to wait for something. And then when we were there, we thought, why not fall in line? We have nothing to do. It's this is the holiday. This is a holiday. So and we were curious about it. 
So we waited about 30 minutes and when we got our drink, we actually, and not kidding, we fell in love. We said, we cannot not bring it here in the Philippines. We have to bring it because one, it's a healthier option because Mike and I, we used to drink like three to four times um, a week milk tea. Uh, three to four times a week. So we thought that we were watching for our health also. Why not bring something that can help the Filipinos have a healthier option and also something that we can um, actually revolve our um, our lives with when it comes to business. Oh, fantastic. Really great. I like how, you know, you actually that's it. No? You, the, the lines told you itself, you know, this is something that we can bring in. Uh, you had the, Like you said in your description, it's it's first mover advantage. Mike, ito naman, diba? the, the bigger thing here for many of us is that, yeah, it's great to bring in a franchise. That's, that's you know, that's, uh, so Tagalog is your resolve or your lakas na loob to, to talk. I mean, who are you? Diba? <laughs> if you think about it, for people who are that courageous, um, Who are you to come up to the owner of Kumi and then tell them I want to bring it here? Um, tell me about that because that 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 must that must have been both an exciting and harrowing experience to approach the owner and and, and say that I want to bring it to the Philippines. Was the, did the owner happen to be? Was he also Australian? Was he uh, Chinese Australian? Because you know when I think of yogurt drinks and then the design looks a bit Japanese or Asian when I when I uh, when I look at it. Tell me tell me a bit more about how it went when you talked to him and you started negotiating with him because you know he didn't know you from literally from Adam right and. He believed in you, and how did you finance the whole thing when you when you brought it over here? Correct. So, um, actually, it was an exciting story that actually happened quite quick. Uh, we actually met with one of the owners. There's actually four owners in Australia: one that heads finance, one that heads expansion, uh, the other one is in IT, and then uh, one of the females was actually doing the marketing. So, uh, we were able to sit down and do a deal over three or four hours in regards to bringing the business to Australia, uh, sorry, to the Philippines. Actually, in the very beginning, they had no expansion plans. Uh, they actually fell upon the drink by accident, opened up the store, and there was more, there was not so much that strategic thought process about the brand, but to their credit, they had a fantastic product. So yeah, I- how, how, did, how, did, how did they fall upon the, sorry, I have to ask, how did they fall upon the drink by accident? It's, it's such a good drink. How, what, did somebody like make it at home or did they find it somewhere else? What, tell me a bit more about how the, the drink uh, emerged. They were doing a lot of R&D. Actually, uh, yogurt isn't new, isn't new to Chinese. In Northern China, they drink it hot. In Southern China, they drink it, they drink it uh, cold uh, with actually yogurt and also different sinkers. So they had someone in R&D that was fantastic and said, pitched them an opportunity to launch it in, in Sydney, in Chinatown, and that's why it did really well. Uh, as I mentioned, at first onset, I said to them, listen, I, wanna, I see potential, let's bring the brand global. So I sold them the dream and said, I believe so much in the brand, uh, we'll take and we'll buy the rights for Philippines, Indonesia, Korea, Japan, and Singapore in one hit. Uh, so very, very new to them, because they're only three weeks within operation. So they were kind of stunned, at an onset, um, but I think uh, since then, uh, they've been extremely uh, happy as partners because we've not been able to just to open uh, five stores. Because originally when I spoke to them, I said, listen, we want to take more of a cautious approach because when Filipinos think about yogurt, they think maasim, one, and That's two, right. mahal. Yogurt generally is more expensive. So we had to do a lot of R&D, a lot of research to be competitive with milk tea, so we could be definitely claim that we're an alternative. And two, make sure that we've got that uh, flavor profile that's very familiar with Filipinos. Hence why when you're in store, you'll see we offer two blends. We offer Filipino blend, which is more creamy and less maasim. 
and a Australian blend, which is definitely that Maasim pure yogurt flavor, which uh, obviously I love uh, being an Australian and a lot of other Filipinos have grown to love as well. Uh, so with that, um, they agreed to give us the franchise itself for, for the Philippines. As I mentioned, we, we originally told them we'll open only five stores, knowing that we could open 30 plus within the Philippines itself. So we were able to negotiate from an entrepreneur's perspective. We uh, actually minimize our risk. We were able to negotiate a very low franchise, free, franchise fee for the country. Uh, but as we expand, they also benefit as well based on the number of stores we open. So it's a win-win relationship because, uh, as I mentioned, by end of this year, we'll hit 70-plus stores, and then um, we're about to actually enter other markets as well. I think I also mentioned to you as well, RJ, that at the beginning of 2020, we were able to negotiate with our Australian partners to go partner with them globally. So right now, we actually do all their marketing for them in Australia. Uh, at the moment, we also do the franchise model, the operations model as well, architectural planning. Uh, as I mentioned, they fell upon the brand very much. And, and our team that we've developed here with Vice and Ventures and Mikumi, we're all food and beverage, we're all seasoned people. So we ensure that we put a really good model in place for them and we're excited to expand to other countries. The fantastic thing is uh, once and hopefully when the travel restrictions go back to normal, a lot of people from other countries are interested in coming to the Philippines. The great thing that we can prove to a lot of these business people is that we've got proof of concept not just from a fantastic brand, not just from scalability, but also throughout pandemic, which I think is a, it's a huge plus as well. When you can see 50 Kumis opened plus in the Philippines, why, cannot you not, why can you not do it in another country as well? Still thinking of what career is best for you? My name is Pat Soyo. Check out my podcast where we answer questions and debunk job descriptions by interviewing professionals so we can put an end to our career search. This is Job Defined. Available on wherever you listen to your podcast. Powered by Podcast Network Asia. I want to go back a bit more, you know, because uh, especially for the first-time entrepreneurs coming into the picture, because like many Filipinos, uh, you know, especially in, in in the younger generation, millennials, they 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 want to bring uh, brands here to the Philippines, and and you you negotiated with them to bring it here. But I also want to find out how did you um how did you finance? I guess the first bring, bring I mean you negotiated for the fine for the for the franchise. You paying a franchise fee, but you also have to open up a store over here. And, you know, um, to me, as an entrepreneur, you, you're very, of course, you, you put up your best front, say, yeah, I can do that all. But then you need, you need to have your sort of like your war chest to back it up. How did you do it at the start when, you know, um, did, you have, uh, did you have separate savings from somewhere else that you brought in to, to set up this business? Did you have a group of investors you put together to, to, to start off the first Kumi plus get the franchise fee? If you don't mind, can you kindly elaborate on that? Of course. Um... We're very proud to say that I, I think, as I mentioned, I'm a true foodie from the very beginning. At 13, started working at a very young age, uh, waiting tables, washing dishes, and worked my way up uh, for a number of years. So that war chest uh, isn't so big, but was enough to be able to buy the brand Kumi itself and then launch in the Philippines uh, for our first six stores. And then we were proud that actually... Uh, all our first original six stores and we had a uh, funding for the first 15 were all director funded itself for expansion. Uh, 
Uh, so yeah, so um, in that in that retrospect, we're all self-funded as a business, no loans, no investors. And then, as I mentioned to you as well, uh, we pivoted early 2020 and went to a franchise model, which helped us be able to obviously finance as well uh, from the revenue from the franchise, uh, future and more stores beyond that. Fantastic. Now, uh, I want to talk more, a bit more about, uh, I said Visum, but it's Visum, right? So uh, Visum was actually the company that, that you put, is that, is that right? You put up the company Visum to bring in Kumi to the country. But uh, Visum has actually grown, merged with, with your largest uh, franchisee. Um, can you tell me a bit more about, um, you know, what, you know, Visum is another food and beverage company, but uh, what, what's going to make it different? What are you seeing that makes it, that will make it, I guess, for lack of a better term, disruptive or innovative? Because you've got people who've been playing in this food and beverage game for, for, for a longer time, but they haven't been able to expand like you. So what are you guys doing, you think, what are you doing differently in terms of the brand that you choose or in terms of the strategies that you take to grow the business? I think um, one that's obviously uh, we're very grateful for is definitely Kumi. Um, again, as for what you mentioned as well, first market mover and then plays in a market which is milk tea, which is a huge pie itself uh, where there's a lot of spend uh, from all Filipinos in every demographic because they can all, all afford a milk tea as well. Um, what makes us different, I guess, is uh, we really look to bring brands within uh, into the Philippines that are new and different. So, oh my, Greek Greek food is definitely not new in the Philippines, but mm-hmm. the idea that we ride on the popularity of. So we always talk about uh, kumi. We ride on the popularity of milk tea, but we're a healthy option. For Greek food, we ride on the popularity of, um, obviously, shawarma being shawarma, a handheld yeah. Uh, uh, shawarma or handheld sandwich that Filipinos love. You look at the brands like Turks and Shawarma Shack that have exploded. Uh, we are a pork-eating country. So in Greece, they do their gyros with pork itself. So we thought we'd be the first pork gyros uh, really at a QSR level where we we're able to serve our customers quite quickly and adapting to that, um, I guess, pandemic grab-and-go delivery option. Uh, what we do, and I think one of uh, Andrew's important roles within the business in the early stages is really quantifying the brand and getting the marketing right in the very beginning. So in the first seven to eight months before launching Kumi, we underwent an extensive FGD, an extensive uh, research into exactly a few things, the brand itself and how it should be portrayed to Filipinos. As I mentioned, I think you were surprised by having the two blends Filipino blend and Australian blend, also looking at the flavors and more importantly, the price point, having that sweet spot where we can really hit a lot of our consumers. With uh, Oh My Greek, we did the exact same process where we went through an extensive um, study to ensure that where is our niche market? Where do we lie uh, lie within? Uh, We're Mediterranean, so understanding through pandemic, it's going to take us probably two or three years to really recover travel-wise. So why not bring an international cuisine to Filipinos so they can still at least feel as if um, through food and through that experience that they're really uh, in a different place. And I think throughout um, the pandemic, a lot of the comfort food brands have really surged. I think you mentioned before donuts, pizzas, burgers. What makes you feel good is exactly. food and being at home and really enjoying. Uh, and then, again, going back to the healthier side and healthier option, our salad brand, 
that's going to launch a market uh, focusing on a more affordable option for Filipinos that want to eat healthy. Uh, I can remember when I want to eat healthy, I'll go out and buy all my ingredients. I'll bring it all. I'll make an amazing salad and then I've got everything that goes to waste. At least now, uh, we've got an affordable option of Filipinos that when they want it at a more convenient uh, way, they can actually have it ordered uh, to them as well. We're excited that uh, through our salad uh, actual business itself, we're also offering uh, our take of uh, a poke bowl, so sushi bowl as well, uh, and also our take on a salad pizza. So similar to Yellow Cab and Dear Darla as well. So this is all food that all the directors love to eat and which we really believe in. Yeah, so are excited these, are these, on that. Are these brands which you created, Oh My Greek and your salad, are these brands that you've, you've created in-house? Is that right? Yes, correct. Both brands are locally uh, curated by us, us directors. So fantastic. So really what Bison is doing is that you're really taking, the way that I see it is that you've been taking uh, still some underserved areas and finding those opportunities where, where, you can still, where you can still enter the market. And kudos actually to Andrew for, for, for really helping you uh, grow these different brands as well. Yeah, so there's two sides. We always congratulate him and say to him that um, he's done a fantastic job making sure we see our check and balance. We also tell him that sometimes, Andrew, remember before in Kumi when you never believed in the brand? Now we've got 60. <laughs> so uh, I know he's listening now anyway. Fantastic, fantastic work. And hopefully, Andrew, uh, I want to see Oh My Greek and the salad brand with the, with the sushi bowl and the poke bowls in the Mercato Cloud Kitchen uh, in the Yala Mall circuit. So we'll talk about that offline, but thanks again. That's a, that's a plug for me. Now, having said all this one, really interesting discussion. And oftentimes when, when we discuss things like this, no, um, the other one I, I want to ask uh, you, um, Mike, and also Tisan at the same time, is the idea that you know, um, you're seeing a lot of opportunities emerging in the food and beverage industry, whether it comes to service or underserved needs or, I guess, convenience. You know? So I want to ask you, what do you see as the emerging opportunities as a whole in the food, food service, food supplies industry? Let's say if you had the time and the effort and the energy to do it, you would also be doing that. But right now, you're doing Visum and you're doing Kumi, so you don't have the time to do that one. So what are these opportunities do you also see emerging that you know, people can get into right now? Are you, are you trying to get some of our ideas, RJ? <laughs> well, if it works, but no, but no, no, there, there are people who say they have other ideas. I mean... I often tell people that as entrepreneurs, you know, um, it's not so much the idea. Anybody can give you a good idea, but it, execution is key. And that's why you have people like Andrew and Mike there who can execute ideas very, very well. So what, 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 Correct. Oh, um, yeah, go, ahead, from, I, go ahead, Atisa, please. Yep. From my side, what I think that um, is going to emerge after this pandemic is that the quality of food and restaurants and the food and beverage industry is going to be so much higher because Filipinos now, we stay at home, we learn how to cook, we learn how to better ourselves when it comes to tasting and cooking. So I think we're setting a higher bar when it comes to the food and beverage industry that after this pandemic, when everyone is a good cook already, after this, everyone is going to have a, high, a, a tougher time because we have to serve the, um, a better, better quality food, better quality beverage, better quality everything to our consumers. So it's, really the, it, it's really the sort of... Um, Upgrading. It's, it's the upscaling of the, you know, uh, I, I would often compare it to, let's say, during the pandemic, what, what happened was that all these home-based food entrepreneurs emerged, but only the strongest and the best tasting survived and, and grew. And that's really what we're seeing here right now, that uh, before convenience was good, food was good, but now it has to really level up. 
Yes, correct. I think uh, to touch on what Athisa mentioned, I saw it in Australia, right? In Australia, what happened was a number of years ago, MasterChef came on, on and MasterChef really was a super popular show. So what you do is you have uh, these group of chefs that judge uh, home cooks and then uh, it lifts the level of uh, cooking for all, uh, for all Australians because they used to watch and they'd get all these ideas and they'd go home and do the same thing. On our side, um, similar to what Athisa mentioned, the pandemic really has made a lot of uh, Filipinos better cooks or better in regards to their quality or what their expectation is. So it really raises the bar for us to make sure that we uh, exceed as such. On, on another element where I think where we want to really explore is international brands, looking at bringing uh, international brands such as Kumi, such as T2, uh, which is a loose leaf tea brand, which is a uh, more millennial uh, version of TWG that's already in the Philippines. I think um, from a uh, perspective, I think coffee over the last three years has actually, uh, actually three to five years, has actually moved leaps and bounds from the traditional mm -hmm. Starbucks and coffee bean. You've got all these amazing coffee brands all the way down to your third wave coffee brands as well. So I think um, from a food and beverage perspective, the Philippines are catching up slowly towards what has, ever, has already been a trend uh, internationally. And I think Filipinos will still look to, to that same uh, mindset as well. Hence why when you, you look at bringing either international curated brands locally or uh, you look at buying other brands from overseas because as, as for Filipinos, everyone loves something that's new and something that's different uh, as well. Uh, we, we, we very much crave that, uh, I guess, new trend or new, that, new food and beverage experience because us Filipinos, we love to eat. I know a lot of my... Uh, a lot of our staff, a lot of their salaries, it goes, goes to eating and enjoying. That's what we do. Is for Filipinos, we love going to the mall and enjoying, and we also love spending our money on food and, and also enjoying as well. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. But, but the, thing, and the thing, when you talk about coffee, the thing is, coffee is a big thing in Australia because, like, I know things like Starbucks haven't really taken off in Australia because people are proud of their own. You make really good coffee. You brew really good coffee. You've got a strong Italian heritage over there. So people are, you know, the, I, in Australia, when I was there, you, you eat, you you literally go to the coffee shops near your near near your place because they're you know these are all customized. They make their own coffee. It's fantastic. I think it's good you mentioned that. I, I, one of the other differentiating factors will be uh, people want to understand the story. Uh, lo and behold, before three or four or five years ago, it's just about the brand. They've got good marketing. They've got a good product. People want to know the story behind the individuals right. uh, that have bought the brand uh, or behind the individuals that actually have curated the brand, but also about the staff. Uh, what, can, what can we do as staff? I'll give you an example. For Kumi itself, we make sure that we support local LGUs and hire our staff within the LGU. We also make sure that actually uh, one of the other uh, provisions, uh, Adrian Luan Singh, who's actually in hospitals, uh, it's very dear to him in regards to supporting uh, impaired people. So we, what we do is a lot of our stores now, we, we actually hire um, actually deaf people in stores that can actually still perform and still work like the everyday Filipino itself. Through the pandemic and after, we look to hire at least a senior citizen person at each of the stores. So it's all about the story about how we can give back to the community. And I think a lot of Filipinos or the average Filipino really supports that as well. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember you, you did watch my my talk last week with Dong Dantes of Ding Dong, and he said, you know, uh, nowadays it's not just the food anymore, but people like the story. Like for example, they say 
anybody can make, uh, I guess, a paella or whatever dish. But people don't want to hear about the paella that being good. They want to hear about what was this paella was a tradition handed down to me. It was made specifically this way in the province. That, that's one way. That's one story told. But the other story people also want to hear is sort of like, what is the meaningful and relevance of buying from you that in my own little way, I changed the world. And it's like saying every time I go to a kumi, I'm supporting a PWD. Or every time I go to a kumi, I'm supporting a senior citizen and I make their lives better. And, and kudos to you guys really for, you know, that's just, I mean, it's, it's good marketing, but it's a good advocacy as well. And it really helps, it really helps, uh, it, it really helps the community. Now, having said all that, no, uh, um, we're coming to a close uh, for this discussion. Uh, but Mike, what I'm truly impressed by you and Atisa and the rest of Visum is that uh, you guys, I see, you, I see you guys as upstarts because there are more established and older companies who aren't doing what you're doing because they're either too scared or too set in their way. So they, you know, they're going to go, uh, you know, um, there are naysayers who go, oh, you know, he's gonna, it's going to be big and then it's going to drop soon. You know, I mean, that, that's just how it's like. But then tell, share, us a bit, share with us a bit more about, you know, what are your tips for up and coming entrepreneurs like yourself? You were an outsider who came in, you're doing well. Um, help inspire the other entrepreneurs, especially right now in the midst of this pandemic, that, you know, what's that mindset that they need? What are the things that they need to be able to, to survive and thrive in environments like this? So, Mike, please, and after that, Atisa, please feel free to add as well. So for us, actually, well, um, the most important or one of the most important things for us is we always rally our staff. We make sure that they're included in everything that we do. Um, they know what, what our vision is. They, they, we work towards one goal. And like what, what Mike said, we make sure that it's, it's a two-way street. They help us get to where we want to be and we help them um, have a livelihood also. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Mike, Mike, for yourself, uh, let's, if there are other entrepreneurs listening here right now, sort of want to follow your, your, the, the career path that you took, what are, these, what are these entrepreneurial philosophies or insights that have helped you throughout this crisis and also putting up this business? I think uh, from, a, from a very young age, I uh, always had a sense of ownership and it's what I try to instill with a lot of staff uh, in a very young age, I had a sense of ownership, even though I didn't own the business. I worked for uh, family businesses in Australia. I also worked for multinational uh, corporations like hotels. I used to work for Starwood and Marriott. Uh, if you put yourself in the position where you believe that you're also an owner and you buy in as a stakeholder and you take care of it as your own, it sets you up that when you want to one day uh, own your own business and you're ready, it helps you... Uh, far more because every single decision you make, it has an impact on the business, whether it be financially, whether it be to the image of the brand and company. So I think at a young age, uh, having that mindset uh, really helped me uh, to where we got to today. I think uh, when it comes to uh, being able to expand, then obviously there are tremendous uh, other uh, well-known brands and well-known food group companies within the Philippines. Uh, one, we are... I think we take the best of everyone. There's no right way of doing things. Uh, we really much look up to a lot of these big players, but we're also not afraid in the sense where we also back our experience. We know that we're young. We know that we're uh, risk averse. We know that we're uh, in the sense where we're very aggressive to be able to expand. And we really believe in our products and our businesses because it's food that we love. Uh, so it's, if it's something that you love and I think um, – uh, the directors know this, if you're passionate about it, uh, if it's what you love doing, I love getting up 
every single day, even though sometimes, especially because we're opening so many stores, our staff are working 16, 18 hour days to bring together what we do because uh, we put, we have a high expectation uh, on our staff members as well, but it's really from leading from the front. So uh, yeah, I think uh, in that sense where uh, stay true to yourself, believe your brand, make sure it's something you love. Uh, don't be afraid to do a competitor check and really check what's out there. I can uh, tell you when we, when we launched our Mediterranean brand, uh, Greek food and also our salads, we ordered from all the competitors, took everything apart, weighed everything, tasted every single ingredient and said, what can we do, do to be better from a taste perspective, from a price point, from a branding, and really analyze that uh, as such. Um, and then more so, um, as similar to what Adhisan said, it's really having a clear vision, clear vision to the staff, making sure we communicate to them. It's a win-win. Um, I can remember when we opened up within ECQ of the first mm -hmm. wave, what we said was um, to continue the brand, knowing that uh, our staff were commuting to work and we considered them as much as frontliners as a lot of other people that were actually going to work every day. Uh, we ensured that we gave them uh, a hazard pay to make sure to ensure that they helped us and they were taken care of in regards to putting themselves out there. It's uh, very similar when we um, do the vaccination process uh, for our staff at the moment. In the very beginning, a, a lot of our staff were very timid or, and didn't understand the whole vaccination. And there were a lot of, um, I guess, uh, false truths and fake news out there. In the very beginning, I remember we did our first uh, vaccine survey and only 46% wanted to get vaccinated. So the directors led from the very beginning. We were one of the first within the company and we led by example. And we're, I think we're proud to say that 90% of our staff currently bravo, bravo. which is really good for us. And it's a little bit of our uh, way of what we can do to help not just the uh, business, but also help the community and help uh, the economy as such. And I think last thing would be creative thinking. Um, being able to pivot, as I mentioned, very closed off, did not want to franchise in the very beginning. But again, you've got to adapt. And the good thing, us being such a small uh, company that's growing and very energetic, we can move and we're very agile. We're very hungry. So we can uh, move quite quickly. We can react very fast, not just to trends, but also um, what's happening in market. So yeah, so I would just say more or less follow your passion. If you love, if you wake up loved and you love doing what you're doing, then you're already heading in the right direction. Well, thanks so much for the inspiration, uh, John, Michael, Mike Hilton, and of course, Atisa Manalo of Vice Ventures and Kumi and All My Greek and, more, and, and other ventures. Again, guys, thank you so much uh, for creating more jobs and building more Kumis amidst this pandemic. Fantastic business model. I love how it's growing and I, I look forward to seeing a Kumi I, and an Oh My Greek uh, in the nearby malls uh, over here. Hopefully very soon we get to partner up in Mercato and grow more businesses and, and provide more jobs. Again, guys, thanks so much for joining me here on the RJ Ledesma podcast. Again, if you're enjoying this podcast and you are learning a lot from the podcast, please subscribe and invite more friends to listen to the RJ Ledesma podcast. Guys, please enjoy the rest uh, of your evening again. ECQ is coming up. Please stay safe. Stay healthy, and if you can, and if the opportunity presents itself to you, please get vaccinated. Again, guys, thanks so much. Have a great evening. We'll see you next thanks, week. Arjay. Thank you. Thanks, RJ. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.